Welcome to the Everyday iRacers podcast. I'm Josh. And I'm Rob. And we are Everyday iRacers, just like you. How's it going, Rob? I'm doing really well. How's it going with you, Josh? I'm doing really well. I had a great week on the iRacing service. Yeah, I had a really positive week too. A good week on iRacing. Week one, right? So I'm glad that we're both off to a good start. Yep. Had a few things to take care of with my safety and such, and seem to be going down the right track. When you say going down the right track, I think I know what you mean. So my safety is back to where I'm happy. And I was able to spend some time in some of my favorite cars at some of my favorite tracks, you know, VRS, LMPs, GTEs, F3s. I literally was able to race all of those almost as much as I wanted because I was racing at Road Atlanta and Watkins Glen, and I didn't have to learn the tracks. And it felt like I was just kind of at home with my friends on iRacing. Makes a big difference when you're doing these tracks a second go around. When you and I were early in our iRacing career last year, every week was starting a new track, learning it for two or three days, wondering if we were ready to get into a race. And we were putting a lot of hours into it too. But you know, you get to Wednesday, we were like, surely we can do a race now and we'd get punished. You know, and then Thursday yeah. we would start to uh, regain all of our our losses. But but now it's like, hey, Road Atlanta. And it's I didn't at the time. I would wonder how can these other people kind of be so good at this track? They seem to make it feel effortless. I don't make it look effortless now, but I know the core set of tracks well enough at this point that I can jump in without, like you're saying, hours and days of practice. If I'm going to start winning races, then yeah, things need to change a little bit. But yeah. if I'm aiming for fifth, then I'm in a spot where I'm pretty comfortable with most tracks. If I'm aiming for first, then yeah, a lot of work to be done. I agree. I'm not getting uh, podium finishes either, but I really am enjoying just being able to turn a few practice laps and get into a race and, and be competitive and be safe and race with my friends. And at this point, I can jump from one car to the next. I don't have to completely rethink the braking points. I raced Watkins Glen in an LMP in the fixed LMP race. I had a great time, jumped in the GTE, like maybe the next race. And I knew the track and was able to kind of just put things together. And then a couple of days later, jumped in with the F3. I don't know that I've done the F3 at Watkins. Maybe I have, but again, know the two halves, the car and the track, and was able to put them together with, you know, two laps of practice and do okay during the race and have, and have a great time and not get in anybody else's way and you know pass a few people along the way. And then you must have spent some time at Road Atlanta in the GT3 cars because I was there with you. Yeah, we had, I think, together uh, a lot of fun in GT3s. We were in different splits. The thing with Road Atlanta is that it's a track that I think we both know well, but it's, it's the kind of track that can keep you on edge. You can't be lulled into a false sense of security because you will get thrown off the edge of the S's or you will miss the break point or you'll come out over the top of the hill and hit the wall, you know, going across to start finish. I mean, there are so many areas um, that you're right on that edge if you're pushing it at all. I love it. That's all I did all week was some road Atlanta. I knew the track. My safety rating was in kind of dire straits at the beginning of the week. I figured I really needed to go somewhere where I knew what I was doing and I could just play it safe and not worry about my position at the end of the day, just try and keep it safe. So that was where I found myself. I basically did a race a day on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I was in the Porsche GT3. And, you know, you have to be on your toes. I find that car pretty slippery, you know, especially with the elevation gains it's just pretty sensitive about the braking. You don't want to be turning when you're braking and stuff. I don't know if it's the rear engine component of it, but I found it pretty dicey. 
And then I finished my VRS week. I switched cars. I went to the BMW mm-hmm. and well, I liked it. I just felt so much more planted and you could plow over curbs, curbs that I had to stay far away from in the Porsche, but you could run over those curbs in the BMW. I found it way more stable. So two quick questions on the BMW, if I may. Mm-hmm. Yep. Have, have they fixed the engine noise that had some potential, but wasn't quite there yet? I never really had a hard time with the engine noise, but I think it does sound different, Okay. but it sounds way different than the Porsche. But I remember when you first got into the BMW, when it first came out, you were like not digging the, the sound of this car. Well, I just spent $12. I wanted to love it. Right. Yeah. And, and so second question, the shift points, I feel like on that BMW, you kind of blink and all of a sudden you're in the rev limiter and it's making this annoying sound. You have to upshift so quickly. It's like a formula one car, except it's not. Have they fixed that? It didn't It didn't grab my attention. I, I just did one race last night in it, and I was quite satisfied with the whole experience in the car. I felt really nice and comfortable. I did the whole race. I, yeah. I started from the pits. It's the first time I've started from the pits in months, but I made a few safety rating gains through the week. And then in one race, I kind of got clobbered around and it took a lot of my safety rating back. So I was back just hovering just over 2.0. I don't really want to fall into the ones. So I was like, okay, I really need to get a a good, safe race under my belt here. It was not the fixed race. It was the VRS sprint. So it's a little bit longer, you know, so there's more opportunity if you can stay safe to gain a little more safety rating. And I had zero X. So I did the race in the BMW. I started from the pits. I ended up in, I think, eighth. I passed people. And then there was a lot of attrition. And, you know, I gained... 35 or 40 safety. And um, that was in the BMW. I felt pretty comfortable. You know, we were talking to one of our buddies and the setup might influence how we feel in those cars, whether it's the BMW, whether it's in the the Porsche, the, the new 911 GT3. I felt really good in the fixed race in the 911. But with the VRS setup this week, it felt like I was kind of on balloon tires and bouncing and sliding and just felt un comfortable, which doesn't make sense because I paid for the VRS setup and I got the fixed setup just for the price of admission. So it's really kind of interesting that your enjoyment of the car could change from week to week, depending on the setup or something like that. Yeah, true. And, and the track, you know, I find at road Atlanta, a turn one is downright slippery going into that in a GT3 car. I'm used to doing it in a GTE car. So a little faster, more downforce. You know, you can kind of power through that turn pretty well, but in the GT3 car, you need to kind of inch off a little bit more. Anyway, turn one, a little bit slippery, and then you're up at the top of the hill, pretty slippery. And once I get through turn one, turn two, I feel pretty comfortable more or less for the rest of the track. But turn one, turn two, my heart is beating. You know, let's just unpack a little bit of what you're talking about here. Think about when we first started our sim racing career with like pole position on Atari. You were just trying to avoid, I don't even know what, you know, rocks or something in the road and get go around a corner. And now we're talking about this nuanced difference between the GT3 and the GTE and the balance of the car as you crest the hill and as you go down here and this setup is a little more slidey than that one or the sound is not quite exactly the same or different. The fact that we can talk about what a great time to be alive. Either that or we have too much time on our hands. Well, no, this is our <laughs> hobby. This is how we choose to invest our time, right? You know, yeah. other people follow a particular sport, you know, on their television and invest all their time learning every nuance of that. We're actually participating in something. I don't know. I'm proud of us. Yep. We're doing something. <laughs> 
but but it is. I mean, it's cool. This is there's so much detail and texture that they put into this for whatever little gripes we have or you know whatever improvements we wish were in place around the new grass model, which will be here soon. Um, <laughs> the texture and the detail that is just under the covers that you can feel. Yeah, you know, oh. and there's and there's so much that I'm not exploring. You know, like you talk about setups. I don't go in and tinker with the ride height or the springs or anything. I just grab what VRS gives me and I figure, well, if somebody made this go fast, I'll try and go fast in it too. That's kind of been my attitude. And I heard on Reddit this week, people were talking about setups and they were saying that, you know, the iRacing setups, the the fixed ones that they, that they give you, that they're actually really, really good. And, you know, some weeks, I don't think the VRS setup really changes much from the baseline setup. You know, they pick the best one for the track, you know, which downforce it is, a little bit of tinkering here and there. But, um, you know, I think the the baseline iRacing setups are pretty good. I agree. And I think they hired someone professional from the community to, to do those setups. Yeah, so they I heard should that be, too. You know, I think a lot of people pay for setups. I don't know. Do we have any sense of, does everybody do it? Only some people do it. There's multiple options. I have done both pure driving school and VRS. I really liked pure driving school, but VRS is more, it's more robust. You know, there's more, there's the telemetry and the, you know, all of those types of things. The videos are a little bit more detailed. I felt better about the setups from PDS. And I don't know, for me, it's just, how can I get around the track and feel halfway comfortable and not too slidey like you were talking about? Well, my impression is that the majority of people out there are paying for some sort of setup service. Like when I look at the list of people that we're racing with, they're sort of A-class, B-class racers. Maybe at that point, people have invested enough into their skill that they've decided to spend the 10 bucks a month or whatever for a setup. Um, But I think most people are getting some service one way or the other. But I do like how the iRacing service has the VRS every hour. One is a feature length with open setup and another one is a shorter length fixed. And I like that because I could sit down basically knowing that I could jump into a road Atlanta race every hour. Yep. You know, I didn't have to wait two hours. Yep. And, and it's interesting. I didn't get the sense that, you know, this was week one. We now have the fixed LMP. We have the GT3 fixed. We got, you know, VRS. We have all these things you can kind of alternate between. And it didn't seem to cannibalize at least the races that I was in. Maybe there were three splits instead of four, but in general, I feel really good about kind of where things are right now. Not too concerned about, you know, too much of a good thing, too many races available. I think we have a big enough audience of racers kind of waiting for that next race and we'll jump in. Maybe maybe people that would have practiced for that hour are now going to jump into a race. So I don't know, does the quality of racing go down? I'm not sure, but I think the amount of people racing in any given hour, there's more options now. I had pretty good quality races all week long more so this past week than ever before I went side by side through like a series of corners with other racers. And, and to me, I kind of have this huge smile after I do that, you know, whether it's me trying to fend them off or me trying to get past, or both of us just arriving at the same spot and no one blinking. It's just a lot of fun. And then kind of high five the guy next to you after the race. I had the same experience. I was trying to get by a guy for four or five laps and I would get in there and try legitimately, but I didn't quite have it. And I'd make sure that I wasn't closing the door on him inappropriately. And he would kind of do the same to me. And it was back and forth for five laps and it was just good quality, mature racing. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's what we're signed up for, you know, exactly. Not only did I do VRS all week, I snuck in one other race that was awesome. (laughs) 
<laughs> Let's talk for a moment about the Husingfeld GT Challenge. Last week, it was late. I mean, we didn't get the podcast out until Thursday. And then on Friday is the race. So the invite was only there for anybody who happened to catch our podcast from the first day. But we did have people sign on to our Discord channel. And they showed up for the race on Friday night. The race is actually at 3.45 a.m. GMT. So for me, it's a Friday night. And for you, it's a late Friday night in Eastern time. I'm on the West Coast of North America. We had some Australian friends join and it was a Saturday afternoon. But the goal of this was to take this race, which often does not go official. There's only a few time slots where it does go official. And let's just try and get this time slot to go official. And we did. We got an official race out of it. And everybody had a great time. They really enjoyed the car. For some people, it was the first time they'd ever been in it. I think that some of the gang that joined up were pretty enthusiastic about it. So we're doing it again this Friday night. And we should probably say, so it's 3.45 a.m. Saturday, GMT. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I just wanted to get that straight. Well, you don't want someone to show up and us not to be at home, right? Exactly. So it was a good time. We met some of our listeners. We were chatting with them during the race, before the race. Now we're chatting with them on our Discord. It was it was awesome. And this week it is Suzuka. Yeah, and it's cool. And, and one of the listeners is uh, tracking points in a spreadsheet. So, you know, not too late to join in. Maybe we'll throw a couple drop weeks out there, right? For anyone that's just jumping in and for me, <laughs> even though I'll probably be there every week. Well, you talked earlier on about the joys of being able to jump into a track that you had known because we put the hours in early in our career. This week, this race is at Suzuka. I haven't been to Suzuka in a long time. Earlier this evening, I jumped into the Austin Martin GT1 car and I did about five laps. And within five laps, I was kind of on pace. I mean, I wasn't crashing out on pace with at least the guy who has a greater I rating than I do. And he posted a faster time, but I was pretty content. So totally doable. And, and Suzuka is just a classic track. Like you're saying, most iRacers that have been on for a year or more have, have done some races there. So it should be a lot of fun. Look, looking forward to it. So moving away from those fast cars to Formula V, after we finished our Team Everyday iRacers GT Challenge, you put up a hosted session and slowed things down a bit. You know, so I, I didn't want the party to end. And I said, hey, let's throw up a Formula V race. We all own Formula Vs now our gift from iRacing. Uh, we jumped into Lime Rock, but I, I think I like the idea of kind of jumping in Formula Vs and we actually turned off damage, had fun on a track that we all kind of knew, 20 minute practice, 10 minute quali, 20 minute race, had a blast. That's awesome. I look forward to uh, jumping into that Formula V race this Friday night after our Suzuka race. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's perfect. And, and the thing that made it a lot of fun, by the way, was the fact that we could just hang out with some like-minded fellow racers and what makes all that possible this magical tool that i didn't even know about a year ago called discord i didn't even know it existed a year ago it's awesome i mean uh, one of the things that i really love about the iRacing service and my hobby is that it's a social activity as well it's a place where i can go and, and get information on anything to do with my rig or hardware software and tracks and all that kind of stuff but uh, it's also a, a place for us to go and connect and chat before a race or during a race and I, i'm meeting people from all around the world like some great guys that i wouldn't hesitate to you know if i was in their home city 
to be like, hey, let's get together and go have a pint or something. So I really like Discord. It, it's really adding to my iRacing experience. So iRacing is great. And there's a community there and you can hit the talk button and you can meet the people we met, obviously, uh, before a race. But then Discord is kind of the, the unsung hero, the glue that kind of lets iRacing become more than just something you do in the evening. It kind of lets you, you know, build some friendships and, and discuss things with like-minded people. But you know what I mean? I can't just chat throughout the day here and there about iRacing and hardware and all those things with just people in real life. But guess what? I can virtually do it with people all across the globe. We can use that same platform to, to actually do voice chat at night. I mean, for anyone that, yeah. that hasn't found a Discord server and a, and a couple of friends, you know, over the next couple of months, find, find a spot, jump on with us because it really does add another layer of stickiness, you know, in a community. And there's a lot of options out there. I was listening to another sort of iRacing podcast group. I mean, they have a community going. The, the first one that I sort of joined was the Dave Sampson, the Samsoid Discord channel. And that's very robust. It's where people find teams to do endurance races and stuff. You know, I think if you watch Dave Cam videos, he has a Discord channel. I mean, there's just lots of opportunity. If you haven't signed up for it and started to use it or start to explore it, really, really should. Yeah, because that's where you get a lot of questions answered, right? Whether it's a beginner question and, and people are pretty nice. They're going to answer your question and make you feel like part of the community uh, across any of these Discord communities that you're talking about. Or if you have some really technical VR deep dive, can't get this to work quite right, you're going to find someone on these communities that will help you out. You know, is the iRacing service that we're using and this hobby that we like, is it a social activity or is it like a solo activity? I didn't join it looking for a community, but man, that's what has kept me around, right? And it's it's multiple kind of overlapping communities like we were just talking about. Even Reddit is an extension of that. But then during the races, seeing some of the same names and I would say faces, but seeing some of the same names and hearing some of the same voices, like, oh, hey, what's going on, man? Yeah, good to see you again. Uh, too bad you wrecked out yesterday or last week or whatever. Good luck this week. Or or there's a villain. I remember this guy. He took me out. Oh, watch out. Mm -hmm. you know? Well, for me, the social component has been very welcome, especially through this past year of COVID when we've been sort of stuck at home and not necessarily out with our regular friends as often. So that was very welcome. The other side of the coin is, is that we who are into iRacing, we love talking about it. And, you know, you go to a party now... <laughs> <laughs> and you're just looking for somebody to give you like a glimmer of, hey, I'm kind of into like auto racing, yeah, <laughs> you know, and then it's like, hey, have you ever heard of iRacing, <laughs> you know, or you'll be like, hey, did you ever, did you watch any of that esport racing that was on when all the auto racing was canceled, you know, when the pandemic started, that kind of thing, like any avenue to get my, my foot in, or you're the next thing you know, you've got your phone open and you're showing them pictures of my rig and they're like, well, that looks really cool. And it's like, come on over, give it a try. You know, we like to talk about it. So for me, I gravitate to the social part of it. But I will say that it's no doubt to the detriment of my racing skill and my eye rating and safety rating. I'm too chatty on Discord while we're racing. You know, I think I need to kind of start to play both angles a little bit. Chat before the race, chat after the race, mute myself during the race, kind of get a little more discipline in place, you know? Fair enough. And I think you can probably have your cake and eat it too. There, there are some nights when you're going to sign in 
and no one's going to be on the discord chat and you say, yeah, you know what? I'm going to jump in this next race that's coming up and I'm going to focus and I'm going to, you know, really, really try to do well. And then the next night you might sign in, there's two people on the chat and you say, yeah, I'm going to join them. And then they're, they're, Hey, I'm going to, we're all, we're jumping in the formula V come join us. And next thing you know, you're in sort of a social race. It can be dangerous because people will say, Hey, we're going to jump into VRS in 10 minutes. You're like, Oh, I don't even know Hockenheim that well. And I don't have a setup downloaded. I probably shouldn't do this. Like, oh, come on in. It'll be fine. Next thing you know, you're minus 70 SR and, you know, whatever. I think I've done that to you a couple of times. In there. Yeah. (laughs) Done that. I'm like, you're a 489 or whatever. You got SR to burn and you burn it. You did. (laughs) So anyway, that's kind of my feeling on Discord. I just want to put in the plug that please take a look at the description section wherever you're listening to the podcast here and we'll put a, the link down there to our discord channel and you're more than welcome to sign on and, and say hello and i mean basically on discord is more more of this right <laughs> just talk about yeah. iRacing. <laughs> more of this so come join yep. us rob i think it would be weird if we went the entire podcast and didn't talk about transducers at some point there may come a podcast where transducers aren't mentioned but this is not that week you had a transducer that had a burned out capacitor. Last I knew you were doing open heart surgery. Yep. How'd that turn out? It worked really proud of myself. I will put some pictures on our Discord channel of what an inside of a butt kicker looks like. But the long and the short of it is I took it apart. There's like one electronic thingy on it. So I figured, well, if there's only one thingy on it, I don't even know what it is, but I figured it was like a heat fuse and I snapped it off, typed in the numbers, ordered a few of them. They were a buck 50 each. They showed up in two days. I quickly broke out the soldering iron and put it on. And sure enough, I got it to work. So it's rattling away my pedals (laughs) and I didn't have to buy a new one. And I, you know, fixed it for 10 bucks. I I have some pictures of it. I'll be sure to put them up so you guys can live my drama alongside me. No, and this may sound ridiculous, but I'm very curious to know what the inside of a transducer looks like. I'm I'm probably part of the uh, very few that care, but I'll look at those pictures. Yeah, and we'll try not to talk about transducers every week. But I mean, this that needed a follow-up. I was very proud of my do-it-yourself skills and got it fixed. So there's one other thing in our previous rig talk stuff that I just want to go back and revisit. Now, you've had your gloves for a few weeks, your red gloves that match your red seatbelt. Have you been using them? No, and I think it's because they are a little bit cumbersome. If I was in a karting league, I'd be using them every day. But when I slide my hand in my wheel, like they kind of hit the knob that's in here. And if I'm going to hit buttons or different things on the wheel, it's just a little bit cumbersome. I keep thinking if I just use them for maybe practice sessions, they'll kind of loosen up. It's not even that they're too stiff, but it's just the, the cumbersomeness. I don't know. Have you been wearing your fingerless mountain biking gloves? I've been wearing the fingerless mountain biking gloves, which again, mm-hmm. I don't leave this room with them unless I'm on a mountain bike. But they give me that freedom to just kind of click any button. You know, my hands aren't getting uh, too hot inside of, you know, fully enclosed glove. For right now, that still seems to be the answer. Although I was kind of wearing out my thumb, cranking, the, you know, I turned up the uh, intensity of my wheel a little bit a couple of weeks ago. And I definitely did wear out my thumb. So <laughs> I don't know. There's an answer. These gloves are amazing, but they are not quite that answer yet. To be continued. Sure. But the big news yep. on your rig front is you have yourself some new hardware. I do. So I've talked about the 3080. 
And now that I have the 3080, the big question was, let's go 1440. So I have all three of the 1440s in place and I'm loving every minute of it. I didn't think that it would make that much of a difference because how much difference can it make? 1080, 1440, I'm not talking 4K. It's like 2K, I think. But it's kind of like wearing a pair of cheap plastic sunglasses and then putting on a pair of like glass you know, just multiple hundred dollar sunglasses. My friend had a pair. <laughs> I put them on one time and it was just, my eyes were thanking me. Like, please don't ever take these off. Everything is just clearer, sharper, crisper. The, the, the colors were more vibrant with these sunglasses. And that's kind of how I feel with 1440. You know, one of the frame rate killers is anti-aliasing. And I had it up pretty high with that 3080 on 1080p monitor. I had the anti-aliasing up to 8x which normally you wouldn't be able to do. When I put these new monitors up, I turned the anti-aliasing way down, bought back a whole bunch of frames, and I'm running, I don't know, close to 140 to 165 frames per second pretty regularly across any track, any car, with all the settings almost wow. that high. And it looks way more crisp. It just does. Can you see more detail like on the tarmac? You can. I think you can just see more cracks in the road. You can just see a little bit more detail on the car. Everything Does the is grass look any better? The grass doesn't really look any better. Still waiting on the new Tree. grass model for that. Trees. Trees look a little bit better. The fences, instead of things just kind of being a little bit glossed and, you know, you can see that the, the fence has four rows of barbs or whatever. You can, now you just see every detail of the fence. Um, and, and someone who's already got 1440 probably won't remember this or someone who didn't switch from one to the other wouldn't notice these things. But because I had a record scratch moment of switching from 1080 to 1440, you know, I'm really tuned into these kinds of things. The other thing I didn't expect was that my overlays have the same amount of detail, but they're smaller now, if that makes sense. And so mm. my overlays are not blocking my vision as much. You almost have to see it to kind of fully get what I'm saying there. But so because they're so much more crisp, yep. they don't need to be as big. They don't need to be as big. And, you know, it used to be that my relative was kind of down and to the right. And when I turned to the right, it would almost kind of be blocking if a car was there. Now it's a lot smaller and I, I can move it up the screen a little bit. So that was sort of an unexpected bonus that my race lab overlays are now crisper and smaller and much improved from a visual perspective. So I, I, I wouldn't have even guessed that that would be a factor. When I look at the up next screen, and I always use the screen that has all the boxes. It says like, um, you know, whatever up next, I can see like 20 races on the screen where I used to only see maybe 12 or something like that. Mm. So there's just sort of all these unexpected positive consequences. And the screen's two feet from my face. So it's not like everything is too small. <laughs> I'm sitting two feet away from the screen, which I don't know if, <laughs> if I were to go to the doctor, he would say that's great, but that's what it said to do on the internet. So, <laughs> well, I'm envious. The evening that you had it set up and I asked you this question and you were saying, this is awesome. <laughs> I immediately started online shopping. I had it in a, in a cart mm -hmm. and I was ready to push the button. And I, I said, no, 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 I need to I need to suffer about this a little more. I need a new GPU. I need lots of other things, but it's going to be awesome when I do eventually make the move to 1440s. And I think by now, you know me well enough to know that I picked up something and it doesn't have the, you know, the impact that I was hoping for. I'm going to tell you that. I'm not going to pretend that it's like amazing. Like gloves? Yeah, like gloves. I spent $90 on these. I wanted them to be amazing and they are amazing. Just not for me, for what I'm doing. So trust me. Yeah. I'm a 
podcast guy on the internet. <laughs> You're on the internet. <laughs> the, internet the internet's so. never steered you wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. And you got 27 inch monitors, right? Yep. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit. You know, do we need 32s if we're already spending X number of dollars? I feel really good with 27s. They fill my field of view. They don't hit my servo on my steering wheel mount. No need to be greedy. Yep. I'm good. You know, Will on Boosted Media has 65 inch and all this. Triple That's 65 awesome. 4K monitors. That's by so far out of my realm that I'm not even like remotely jealous. <laughs> I'm just like, hey, that's so cool. Thanks for making another great internet video for me to watch. But I'm happy with my 27s, 1440. Did you ever see a, a pictures of Tony Kanan's rig? Yeah, I feel like he had like monitors behind him or something like that. I don't even know if I'm making that up, but I feel like he did. <laughs> and maybe we're going to hear a little less about uh, the need for a new grass model. No. Well, <laughs> there's always a need for the new grass model. Yeah. Oh, but that rain is going to be awesome. Yeah, we were talking about this earlier this week. Is it driving in the rain that that we're excited about? I'm, I'm excited about the visuals. <laughs> if yeah. I could keep the same driving and just have mist and plumes of water coming at me and all that, then I'd probably be good. I don't know. Driving in the rain is... I don't know. It's going to be fun, but I don't know that I'm all that excited about that. I'm excited about looking at it. Yeah, it's going to be chaos. <laughs> yeah. A couple of things that are going on in the iRacing world in the very near future. Uh, one is the 24-hour Le Mans is coming up. Which, which is great. I think there's going to be, my personal opinion, is there's a lot of pent-up demand. As long as people realize what's going on. You know, I don't know how iRacing gets the word out. If it's just the community kind of figures it out. But they, they basically hosted a whole series uh, as a smokescreen. Am I crazy? So that mm, they could have no. this one race. I don't know. Some of those other 24 hour races might be fun, but I don't see people like lining up around the building to do them. I'm really excited about it. And there's going to be enough people in it that our split is going to be filled with people right around us. I mean, we're slightly below average iRacers. <laughs> <laughs> As we. As per last week's uh, commentary. Right. Um, but there's a lot of us. So, you know, we're going to be in a split like that. So at the end of the day, we're in a race with 55 other teams. So I'm not so concerned about, you know, whether there's eight splits ahead of me, it's my race. Yep. You know, I'm competing against people that are just like me and it's going to be up to us to manage our pit strategies and keep the car on the track and all that kind of stuff. So I am really excited about it and really, really looking forward to it. So need to put in a few hours this week and start to get tuned up and um, get the times down a bit. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, and we're, what, we're two weeks out. Uh, I think we've got the team together. There's going to be five of us at last count. Our buddy Marcelo will probably stream it. You know, and we can put the link as part of next week's podcast in case anyone wanted to um, check in on our progress. But yeah, exactly your point. It, it doesn't matter if there's two splits or 15 splits. There's, there's going to be enough. We're going to be with our people. We're going to have a blast. I, I'm assuming 55 people per race. 55 teams. F yeah, 55 teams. That's probably 220 people. There's some teams of four. There's some teams of five, you know. So in general, that's going to be a couple hundred people racing in just that one split. So Josh, when you were driving around the Red Bull ring, did you notice the banner that was over the track that said the Red Bull driving experience here or something? I like did. That? I remember that you pointed it out during a race. So I noticed on the iRacing service this week that there's actually a little competition going on right now. And it's the Red Bull fastest lap challenge time attack. I think it's going for about two weeks. And I think we're about in, in the middle of it. 
And basically, you get to cruise around in a Porsche GT4 car, and you try and log the fastest lap time. And the top three people that do this in a fixed setup are going to win, you know, various packages of enjoy your track day at the Red Bull ring. I thought that was pretty cool. You can get into the Porsche GT4. You can try and set a really good time. If you're top three, when this contest wraps up, you get to go to the Red Bull ring. So the car that we're trying to put down those fastest lap times in is the same car you're going to be able to, to, to cruise around the track in in real life. So I thought that was pretty cool. And that's worth pointing out. Well, well, that is really cool. And I don't know that I realized that was the prize. I thought it was just bragging rights. So nope. you've got my interest. You have to win it, though. We're going to spend some time in France, too. We're going to spend some time in France at the <laughs> Circuit de la Sarthe. Exactly. So that is going to be a wrap for this week. If you have enjoyed listening to our podcast, please hit the follow button wherever you happen to be listening to us. If you have comments, you can search for Everyday iRacers on Reddit. You can send us an email at everydayiracers at gmail.com or... You can now join our Discord and you can comment to your heart's content and uh, we'll see all those comments on there as well. So looking forward to hearing from you. I hope to see you for the Husingfeld GT Challenge at the 3.45 a.m. Saturday time slot. And otherwise, we hope to see you on the track. <laughs>